It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Well, we have the 77th off. You know you can't stop us. Just turn us up. Do it, Wade. Let's hit it. Oh, baby, Wade Weezer. Baby. What a week we have had. So much shindig. <laughs> you know, I love my alliteration. What a week, Wade Weezer. Here we yeah. go. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, let's just start with something really important. That congratulations to my New York Rangers winning. Oh boy, game two is tonight, so we officially once we get off the mic this afternoon, pre-gaming starts <laughs> for no, you. Oh yes, tailgating. Oh my goodness, you know, it, and you know, some people take that as happy hour. It's a combination happy hour and just extreme focus yeah. and meditation. They have had uh, talk about playing with your backs against the wall. Oh well, you know what? They're young kids. They're talented. They have a great goalie. Igor, man, I love it. I love it. And, you know, at the end of the day, Champa Bay has had a nice run, (laughs) you know, but your time is over. It's done. All right. So tired, sick and tired, you know. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, moving right along. You know what else is important we got to talk about? What's that? Everybody's talking about Maverick, man. What is what is up with this? I, I I want to say it. I I haven't seen the first Top Gun in forever, so I'm going to need a refresher. So. The other day, I was in this TV studio, and the, one of the guys came in that's on the crew, and this was on Tuesday. We were doing the memorial show, and, it, you know, real quiet guy comes in. He goes, has anyone seen Maverick yet? And I'm like, <laughs> he just needed to talk about oh, it. Oh, my goodness. It was like, he goes, make sure you watch the old one first. There's a lot of tiebacks or whatever. Sure. And there's oh, no spoilers here because I haven't seen it yet, but the guy was so fired up about the whole thing. I haven't heard a single negative thing about it. And then we, I know, and then we, and it's Tom Cruise. Which is weird because you always, there's always that one guy going, ah, it sucks. Yeah. Well, you Nothing. know what? Um, and then we got in this big Tom Cruise discussion, you know, and we went down this spiral. It's like there's the different um, phases of Tom Cruise's career okay. oh, and the yeah, different sure. movies and everything, sure, sure, you sure. know. So give me your, give me your favorite Tom Cruise movie. Oh, that's a, that, uh, it's, I'm, wow, because there's so many. I'm going to have to say, the Mission Impossibles. Oh, that they're, character. They're great. That character. Yeah. I, 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 Ethan but you, Hunt. You, yeah. Could, you could convince me. Just give me, you know, go ahead. Change my mind. Jerry Maguire. Well, yeah. Okay. That's a completely different character. The dude can act. I mean, he's a very good actor. Yeah. Early on in his career, was like, you know, pretty boy, but, you know. Well, come on. He yeah, he could act early in his career. <laughs> this I know. Risky taps. business. No, no. Risky business. That was <laughs> acting. Yeah, taps. Outsiders. How about Outsiders? For sure. Right? I was yeah. in Tulsa. That's where... That's where that movie's about. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Anyway, I, names I, that one. I, folks, I haven't seen it myself. Once I do, we'll give you the full report. But as for right now, uh, people are talking about it. People speaking of M's, right? We go from Maverick. We'll go to the match. Match number six happened the other day. Um, the four quarterbacks out there in Las Vegas, 12 hole match came down to the final hole. Birdie putt, Aaron Rodgers. He and Tom Brady win. You know what? It was entertaining. <laughs> it was, you know, there was some, there was some really great rips in there and you could tell that you had like four Uber hyper competitive guys. Right, right, right. Yeah. right? Because every time there was like a, sh- there was like a shot at one of them, you know, the other one shot the other guy, like a look like, Hey man, 
All right. You want, I, you want to play like that? I'm just guessing that quarterbacks aren't known for just deferring and, and sitting back and taking it. You know what I mean? No, oh, yeah. Yeah. They are, the, they are the son of the football field. For sure. Right? The world revolves, revolves around them for sure. But, you know, the trash talk was pretty good. They all they all had like um, icons on their golf balls. Right. Okay. So, you know, Brady's had like, you know, a, um, with the, uh, the Vince Lombardi trophy and Josh Allen had a picture of Brady, that famous draft picture, you oh, know, really? where he's all like <laughs> skinny and everything. That's great. About the sixth hole, Mahomes went into one of his sponsor deals and uh, started cracking Coors Lights, which I was like, I love this guy. And, and you know, like you hear him without seeing him. So it sounds like he's like a lost character from the Simpsons right. all the time. Right. It's just unbelievable. Uh, they had, they did like a hot takes thing and they they had him going back and forth in the beginning and they asked him a question and they asked the, you know, what is Josh Allen's biggest fear? And Mahomes came back and he said a coin toss. I was like, Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Wow. How long has he been holding on to that for? Oh, That's great. I tell you that was whoever his script writer was, was good. And uh, speaking of good or bad or however you want to, I mean, it gives us something to talk about, but live golf came out with their first field list, okay. which is in a week, you know, it was supposed to be last Friday. It didn't happen. I still claim to th- that this thing is a hot mess and it, it sure. is a hot mess. Right. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, there's some big names on this list. And I and I want to get into this with our first guest, Joe Idoni, because Joe is a golf personality online. He has his own podcast and he's certainly a big part of the gaming community. And uh, it just he, he's a very, very thoughtful guy. And it's definitely one of the things I want to talk to him about. But there's some big there's there's a big name on this list. DJ mm-hmm. Dustin yeah, Johnson is, you know, and then they're saying that it's worth like one hundred and twenty five million to him. You know, and now if you go back to February 20th, he had released a statement which said, like, you know, I'm completely loyal to the PGA Tour for 60 million. But if you give me 120, <laughs> I'm jumping ship. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, and then we have another great guest coming up this afternoon, Steve Eubanks. Uh, he's been a golf writer and personality for a super long time. He works for the LPGA now. The LPGA is down in Southern Pines, North Carolina at Pine Needles Lodge and Golf Club for the 77th Women's U.S. Open. You heard that in the opening. And uh, we'll just jump right into there because we got to go through the leaderboards and we got two guests. So I got to be quick here in this opening segment. So Mina Harrigay shot seven under 64 yesterday, par 71 there at Pine Needles. Uh, They've hosted three previous women's U.S. Opens. Listen to this champions list. Annika Sorenstam, Kari Webb and Christy Kerr. So like three of the grittiest, best women's open champions you could think of at this Donald Ross gem down there near Pinehurst. And it starts off, Mina Harrigay uh, was an unbelievable junior golfer. She won like back-to-back um, women's like Carol, uh, California amateur titles when she was like six and seven years old. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but she sure, was literally yeah, like, yeah. she was like 13, 14 or something. I mean, crazy, crazy. Wow. She went to Duke for a hot second, lasted like a semester, you know, party scene wasn't big enough for her. So she went right to the LPGA tour and, um, Nine birdies, two bogeys yesterday. Uh, behind her was a name, Ingrid Lindblad. Now, she's an amateur, LSU. Um, very, very popular golfer if you're into women's college golf. Number two ranked women's amateur in the world behind Rose Zhang, who's out at Stanford. She shot six under. and She held the lead for most of the day. She had four birdies over her last eight holes. But here's the cool story about her. First of all, she has the lowest opening round ever. I think, or maybe even lowest round by an amateur in a women's U.S. Open. Wow. Right? We'll have to get a fact checker on that. Of course, we'd have to get a fact checker. <laughs> and we'll get him right? on it. Since we yes. 
So you got somebody in the lead at seven under with no wins to her, to her credit yet. And you've then you've in second place, you've got an amateur, right? Now the amateur Ingrid, she played with Annika. Now this is a big deal because Annika's back at a place where she won back in 1996, but she had won the women's senior open last year when I went up to Connecticut and that earned her the right to play in this tournament. And she wasn't sure if she's going to do it or not, but she was, she's been on the property. She's 51 years old. Yep. Right. And she shot three over yesterday. Which, you know, isn't great, but at the same time, like, she's 51 years old playing the hardest golf course those women are going to play. I was, like, totally blown away. She was even par through 12 holes, and she finished with three bogeys over the last five holes. And she's playing with Ingrid, and Ingrid got interviewed afterwards because, obviously, she had a great round. She shot 65, but she goes, I was a little nervous on the first tee when they handed out the cards, and I looked at the name on mine. <laughs> and you could tell by her name. She's also Swedish. Obviously, Annika is Swedish. Right. We all know that. So she's like... Yeah, this is her heroine. You know, I mean, it's like unbelievable. And she opens up the card and she's like, oh, so I'm keeping Annika's score today. Great. (laughs) And uh, she did it very well. We've got at tied third, we've got three different players at minus four. Uh, Lexi being, uh, no, not Lexi, Minjay Lee there, tied sixth, uh, three under Lexi's there. We've got a couple players there. Uh, The Ams are playing well. Uh, Nellie Corda looked great yesterday. She hasn't played golf in like a hundred days. She had that blood clot in her left arm, but she was doing Nellie things, which is, which is great to see because we love having those young American women golfers that are just going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be a homer all the time. Let's go Rangers, <laughs> right? Well, come on home. It's our country. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. You're allowed to be hey, a homer for that. <laughs> hey, not for nothing. There's a lot of people out there that don't like it right now. Okay. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Spreading some positivity. There you go. All there right. You go. Um, 27 players under par, which is not going to go over well with the USGA. All right. So I expect today there to be a massacre out there. I expect really, really tough pin positions. I expect uh, things to get a little firmer, a little faster, and uh, for there to be a little bit more fun, completely entertaining, and uh, just excited about the U.S. Women's Open because it's their biggest tournament of the year. Purse went up like four and a half million dollars mm-hmm. since last year. The winner gets one point eight. Good for them. And speaking of difficult golf courses, which should have been harder, we got to go over to Jack's place, Mirfield Village Golf Club out there in Dublin, Ohio, near Columbus and the playing of the Memorial. Forty seven guys there under par. That doesn't make Jack happy. Mm-mm. Jack's old school, you know, sure. just like the USGA. He likes there to be uh, a winning score, maybe around, let's say, eight to ten par. So you're talking two under par per round, not having six guys leading at 67, which is five under par. Uh, great list here. You have to be a Cam, Cam Young, Cam Smith. Then to get on this list, you have to be Luke List. We've got KH Lee, TPC Lee, Davis Riley, who's been great lately, and Mackenzie Hughes, a little Canadian sneaking in there. Um, six guys, first Canadians, round leaders. Canadians are sneaky. Yes, yes, just ask, ask South Park. Um, <laughs> notables on there, a tied seventh, four under, just one back. You've got Zalatoris uh, at two under, Spieth and Xander at one under, Colin and Hovland, and uh, John Rahm, Rahm's revenge this year over last year's COVID third round withdrawal. Uh, he was at even par, and uh, all sorts of great memes and stuff with him as he hit it in a creek yesterday, was standing there like, where's my ball? <laughs> great. If you haven't seen that yet, go look it up on Twitter. Did you see my golf ball? It's classic, yes. Uh, great story. <laughs> Not great story for this guy, but just classic, classic story Um, and uh, surrounding controversy when it comes to golf. I mean, people just can't help themselves. But uh, Hideki Matsuyama gets all this gets booted yesterday, right? Because he's got like whiteout on the face of his three wood Mm -hmm. of his fairway wood. Right. Too much, though. He's got too much. Well, okay. I mean, (laughs) 
you know, and, the, and then they're like, well, if it was in the grooves, maybe, but it was on the face and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, can like, affect, that can affect how I hit the ball. Oh, yeah. I, anybody knows that. Everybody knows that except Tadeki <laughs> or his translator like, what? or, or whatever was lost there. And the, the best part is they go like there's so much coverage of this. It just it just won't stop. Right. And then there's a guy in his group. There's two guys in his group playing with him, Rory and Patrick Reed. Mm. So then all, all of a sudden it was like, well. Patrick Reed must have saw the paint on there and turned him in. And then there's no proof of that or anything, but the guy just gets, you know, right. He, he's right, constantly right. always is embroiled in controversy. Um, but, the, you know, Hideki, I saw the video this morning where Hideki's being told by the official, but Hideki doesn't understand English. No, his so face is like, what? what? What's going on here? He, he's still smiling and he's, he's like, like All right. nodding slowly. Mm-hmm, okay. He's like, yeah, did I get paid to be here? Okay. My turn. All right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not your turn anymore. No, it's not your turn anymore. And when the official came up to him, they're on the second hole, and they'd wish they'd gotten to him sooner. Right. But of course, obviously, somebody saw him tee off on the first hole with it, and then they were like, "Hey, someone should go check that." And they were like, "Hey, did you use this?" And of course, mm-hmm. he couldn't say anything. So his translator said, "Yeah, he mm-hmm. used that club." All right. Well, you're done. You know, <laughs> that's that. You know, and you know, yes. Yes, but I'm excited for the Memorial and the U.S. Women's Open all day today. There's going to be tons of carnage. They're going to set the golf courses up tough because there's way too many people under par. And Mm -hmm. and those two leaders of that of each of the organizers of each of those tournaments don't like that, which um, which will be fun for this whole weekend. And uh, well, we're going to have some more fun with our guests. But before we go there, if you want to have fun in golf, there's always the New Jersey Golf Foundation. The charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. The foundation recently opened the Inspiration Golf Range located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System in Bernard's Township. The multi-purpose facility, which is open to the public, will host golf programming for youth, veterans, and individuals with special needs. To support the foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. All right, quarter past three in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with one of golf's coolest cappers, Joe Idoni. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop, chop, he says I'm going to win big. Choose not the life of him. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when it comes to clearing it out. Y'all take care of me. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe Jenkins, team of me. Bar, his name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Sean, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey, as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212.
time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920. You know, thoughtful people really inspire me. The first time I listened to this guest, I subscribed to him. He blew me away with his energy and intelligence. A special spokesperson for golf, Joe Idoni, is busy building a brand. He covers the game and gambling in a genuine manner, not mainstream. He works hard, and it comes across in his knowledge and enthusiasm for promoting professional golf. He's a dad, a husband, and an innovator. That checks off the boxes needed to catch my attention. Golf's popularity connects us all to the best people. Let me introduce you all to a guy who knows how to win your attention. I'm on my way Driving at 90 down those country lanes Man, I love that song, Wade Weezer. That was a good version right there. And uh, it, it suits our guest this afternoon because uh, Ed Sheeran is one of those guys that's multi-talented and so is Joe Idoni. Joe, welcome to the pro show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Keith. Good afternoon. It is an honor to join you and can't thank you enough for that genuine uh, and, and thoughtful intro there. I really appreciate that, pal. Well, you know what? Um, it's the time of year where there's a lot going on in golf and you have a lot going on in golf. So I'm going to take that synergy and I'm just going to start off quick. I love my interviews just jumping right in. Right. How much do you love this time of year? We got major championships happening like every week. I mean, it's just awesome. How fired are you up right now for golf? The summer of golf is the best time of the year for pro golf. And it's more specifically, Keith, I think this, lat, this, this sort of month that we're in the middle of right now from the PGA Championship all the way to the U.S. Open um, is fantastic. We've had a great run of tournaments from last week at the Charles Schwab. Incredible field once again this week at the Memorial. Next week's going to be jam-packed with stars at the Canadian Open. And then, of course, we get up there uh, to Massachusetts, which I'm looking forward to greatly for for the U.S. Open, and, and, you know, we had some other news break this week. I'm sure we're going to get into, but a lot going on in the golf world this summer. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I don't want to be Mike Wan this week. And maybe maybe it doesn't even hit his radar. I don't know, because we're two weeks out from the U.S. Open. But, uh, yeah, you know, you and I, we were texting earlier this week about Live Golf and the lineup and all that's happening. And uh, so let's just start with, with, with DJ. I mean, really? Like, what is going on? I mean, what's your reaction to that? Because you follow golf so closely, right? I got to know, when you first saw his name, what was your what, what was your impression? Shocked. Um, and I probably shouldn't have been, Keith, but I was in the middle of, of recording my podcast, and I had just finished up, um, and then I saw this news break. I clicked the thing, and it jumped off the page at me just because – um, you know, originally uh, six months ago, I had kind of thought that he was going to be a name that was going to be highly sought after and, and would potentially make the jump. Uh, but then he re- had that press release where he, he made a firm commitment to the future with the PGA tour. So that's kind of where the shock and awe was. Um, yeah, I, 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 that was the name that, that really, uh, obviously got the attention of myself and, and many others. And they needed that big name. Um, unfortunately, it was a player that I really like to root for and I think is important to the PGA Tour as well. What were your thoughts on it? Well, I tell you, um, uh, I'm a PGA pro. I'm a lifer in the golf business. I mean, I was scrubbing hooks when I was like 13, 14 years old, caddying, doing all those things. So to me, um, as much as I love to have fun on a Friday afternoon, and I'm not going to talk about like the flag stick being in and out of the hole, 
if this is going to dilute fields or if it's going to be a hot mess, I don't want to deal with it. I just, I just, I, that, that's my take on it. And it has been from the start and the way it's been handled by Phil and Greg Norman and everybody else. And I get it. You know what? If the PGA tour is monopolizing all of this, whatever, but you know what? The product is great and golf is more popular than ever. So like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that evolution and competition are a good thing, but overall I'm not a big fan of what's going on. And it really, it comes from the fact that you and I love to cover golf when it, you mentioned it already. Colonial had a great field. We've got a great field this week. We want the best players competing against each other as often as possible. And we'd be the, you and I would be the first ones to admit that there's way too many tournaments. But at this time of year and with all this controversy and everything, when it's like one of the best months of the year, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, and it DJ Fat Tony. I mean, really? I mean, this is where we're going with this thing. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It stung. It stung, and and part of it was, you know, his his reasoning behind he's he's gonna do you know what's best for him and his family, which I understand to some degree, but um, they're not suffering. He's made seventy five million dollars on the PGA Tour. His wife is the the daughter of Wayne Gretzky. Um, they're him and his kids and his wife are in fantastic shape financially, with with mostly. Um, due to the proceeds from the PGA tour. So this was not a move in the best interest of his family. It was a selfish move. In my opinion, it was a money grab and it's someone who um, chose dollar signs over looking at a broader um, human rights issue that they clearly uh, he doesn't care about. And many of the others joining it, you know, the, the, the interesting part is going to be, what does the PGA tour do? If, if him and another big name, go you know the talk was a lifetime ban do they ease back on that i to be honest with you keith i don't think they can because if they're going to say this is a three or six month suspension many of these guys are going to jump over there and if they get suspended and this tour folds they're going to look at it as a long extended vacation and they'll pop back on the pga tour and there's really no other recourse so it's really going to come down to um i don't know if you've heard anything on on what kind of stance they're going to take um with these guys moving forward uh, Jay is taking a hard line. That's it. Got to. Yeah. No, I mean, you got it. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, and you know, as a purist and lover of the game, like you and I both are one of the things that kind of broke my heart. I mean, you know what? God bless Kevin, non Taylor Gooch. I could care less. You know what I mean? I mean, you need those people because in the lawsuit that those are the ones that they're, that are, they're going to bring up as you know, the PGA tour is a monopoly and not allowing them because those guys play, you know, 30 events a year or whatever. But I feel bad for these kids. Right. I look at a kid like Andy Ogletree, who won the, the U.S. Am. You know, this kid doesn't believe in himself enough that he's going to take five million dollars to go play instead of trying to make his way up through the PGA Tour. Right. And then that that's the end of your career or whatever. I mean, you know, to me, you know, that to me is the biggest kind of issue that I have with all of this. Right. Is that they're going after and they're cherry picking all these great young amateur players because they can't get other people. Well, that should tell them something if they can't get. You know, the Rory's and the JT's of the world, then maybe they should rethink their strategy. But then to go after these young guys and then to possibly ruin their careers. I don't know that that to me leaves another sour taste in my mouth. But I mean, we could go on for this forever. But give me a closing thought on live for the moment. Um, I'll be interested and I will 
I will watch it um, just because I am a fan of golf and I want to see kind of how it plays out. But but I stand firmly uh, with the PGA Tour. And to be honest with you, I, I hope that they uh, have no success and, it, and it's a colossal failure and we get the best players in the world back competing on the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour week in and week out. Your lips to God's ears. And good luck watching it because they don't have a TV deal. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to you, though, man. You know, I, I love great stories in the golf ecosystem. And I think you're one of them, but we got to go back to the beginning. What got you hooked up with golf? I love to start at the, you know, at the inception. Sure. Um, so to be honest with you, Keith, I was not as, as a young teenager uh, into the game much. Um, I, I played other sports. I was a lacrosse player. I did football. I did basketball, you know, the, the sort of stalwarts. I didn't get into it too much. Um, I picked up a job as a cart boy um, at Kent State University. So I grew up in Kent, Ohio. Um, I got the job from Herb Page over there. I don't know if you know Herb, but he's sort of a legend in that region. Legend. And interestingly enough, my, my manager at the time who worked in the, in the pro shop was Ben Curtis. Oh. So Ben kind of introduced me into the game. He, he got me excited about it. We all went through the drama at Kent um, and the ups and downs, and I loved watching him sort of compete at the Open Championship and that miraculous win that he had. He, uh, he gave me a couple of his old wedges and kind of showed me a couple of tips around the practice screen there. So, Ben, I have to credit him of really getting me um, into the game and, and my love for it. And then later in life, um, as I had some injuries in other sports, I started to pick it up. I got the bug like many other people do. And now um, I can't get enough of following the pro tour on TV, trying to find an edge in the gambling market and playing myself. I try to play once or twice a week, uh, every weekend. So I'm, I'm fully on board now with this, this speeding uh, bullet train that is the world of golf. You know, it's amazing to me. And it, it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise me anymore, but you know, I've been doing this show for a long time. And we've interviewed hundreds of people and they, their connection to golf in the beginning is always something that is like this, you know, milestone type of event. You know, I mean, you, you know, hanging out with an open champion, you know, the, the, yeah. the, I mean, it's like it's crazy. It never ceases to amaze me how cool the golf universe can be at times at kind of like sucking us in. And then once you're in and you get bit by the bug, I mean, good, bad or indifferent, doesn't matter how you play. And you, and you learn how significant the relationships are in the golf ecosystem. You just have such a great time. So what I, what I want to now know is that I, I see what you're doing and you're building this really cool golf media brand around yourself, right? Which I think is really neat, you know, and I'm curious before you got into all of that, you had to have some sort of why, like, why is Joe Idoni, right? Why did you, why did you want to take this on? Because you already have a job. Right. So you're working full time and you're taking this on on the side, but you do it in such a thoughtful manner, which makes me think back. I was like, man, this guy watches TED Talks or something, but there's got to be a why behind them. So I want to dig that out to start. Yeah. So it's interesting uh, to be honest with you. It all started as a hobby, right? It all started in taking in sort of content from other people, um, enjoying it, enjoying the 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 sweat that is sort of golf gambling and how it is different than any other sport. Um, and then I started to have some success there. I started to pick up a few followers and I just kind of started this thing, not really knowing where it was going to take me to be honest with you, Keith. Um, and it's, you know, it's certainly not, not blown up to a degree, but I've got a, a 
solid group of people who are invested and, and like to listen to what I talk about with golf. So that um, endears me. I like to be relatively thoughtful in my approach and not so analytical. Um, I like to throw little things in there that just interest me personally. Like I like to talk about my journey, my what's going on in my life, what's going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big into like sort of mental health right now and trying to be the best person that I can be. So I try to blend and mesh all those things together. And I think they're um, you know, without tooting my own horn, I think there's a, a realness to it that kind of connects with a lot of people and they can feel that it's very genuine. It's not overproduced or fabricated. And it's allowed me to kind of carve out a little niche um, within this this ever-growing space right now that, that I'm excited to see kind of where it takes me. I'm doing this 100% on my own. So all the logos, the branding, the producing, all of this I do myself. Um, and I'm really kind of putting it all on my shoulders, and I want to just see uh, see where it goes. You know what I mean? And it's kind of been a journey that has been exciting and has been full of growth, and I look forward to seeing what the next two, three, four, five years have in store. Well, folks, that voice right there, that's Joe Idoni, and we're talking to him this afternoon. He is the host of the Preferred Lines podcast and some other golf media, uh, which we're about to get into in a second. And if there was one word I would use to describe you when I see you or hear you, it's authentic. And I think you encapsulated it really well right there. So briefly take me through a week of media coverage that you do for the PGA Tour. Sure. Um, so it's essentially Monday. It's it's essentially what happens at the end of one tournament up to the start of another tournament is where my media coverage really starts. So it starts Monday with nose to the grindstone, putting in all the research, all the notes, all the stuff that you and others do that we take very seriously. Uh, Monday nights at 8.30 p.m., I will host the Preferred Line show. It's typically um, roughly 30 to 45 minutes. It live streams on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is at tour picks and it's also available on iTunes and Spotify Tuesday. I will host a show with, with prop picks. This super fun on, uh, via odds checker with my good pal, Jeff Feinberg. And then on Wednesdays, um, I am a co-host of the jock market power hour, which is a really cool new app that kind of blends together concepts um, you would traditionally link to the stock market with fantasy golf. So each player has a share price. How Depending on how that player does, those go up and down throughout the week. If they play really well, you're going to make some money. If they don't do well, the price in your shares drops. So I host that on Wednesdays from 8.15 to 9.15. It's live on YouTube. Also, the podcasts are available on those platforms as well. So it's really that sort of three-day journey. And then Thursday to Sunday, I'm more or less taking in the tournament that's ongoing. I try to tweet as much of my thoughts as possible and, and sit back and enjoy what the best in the world provide on the course. All right. I love jock market and we're up here. We have a New York city regional audience. So, you know, everybody up here loves the stock exchange for to a certain degree. So let's do a little market talk because the futures market in golf betting is one of those things that if people are into it, they are really into it. I mean, even, almost even more so than they are in the week to week. And I get it because people's lives are busy or whatever. But what I mean by the futures market is the U.S. opens in two weeks, but you could start to bet on players now to win. Right. So let's have some fun with the audience and let's do a little buy sell or maybe a buy wait and hold. Right. So who are you buying two weeks out from the U.S. Open? 
Yeah, you know, I've been looking recently, and there are some nice numbers out there. You know what? I'm not going to – U.S. Opens, as you know, traditionally, Keith, have, have always been super demanding off the tee in terms of not only the accuracy that you need, but the distance that these last couple courses have played from Torrey Pines to Wingfoot, where it can really sort of essentially price out a good portion of the field that isn't going to be able to carry it 310, 315 off the tee. This place is going to be different. Um, all indications that I've seen are just, just south of uh, 7,300 yards. I think that you're going to get a lot more of the shorter players and guys who are really precise with their wedges and accurate off the tee are going to have a chance to compete this year. So I'm looking at guys like, like Russell Henley, for instance. Um, you know, you can get Russell Henley right now at around 175 to 1. He just was exempt off being one of the top 60 in the world. Really, really good wedge player, really accurate off the tee, competed at last year's U.S. Open without much of that, you know, sort of distance packed behind his driver. And I think he's a guy that that I definitely have circled that I think is a good value play at this point. I tell you, you went deep there right off the bat. I love it. I love it. You know, one of the guys that has my attention because he has my attention this week is Max Homa. And he's proven he could play difficult golf courses as well. You look at Riv, you look at Quail Hollow he's won at. Now he's won at TPC Potomac. He's he's probably going to play well this week. He's at plus 6,600. I mean, he's 66 to 1. If he top 10s this week, that number is going to get cut in half by the time we get to Brookline. Right. So that's somebody that I'm watching. How about somebody that you're waiting on? How about somebody that is at the bottom of the board or in the middle that you're kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to let that number kind of percolate for a minute. Yeah, so a couple of guys that I'm interested in, depending on how their their form looks, um, one of them is Colin Morikawa. I'm I'm intrigued by Colin. Something is off right now, but these are the types of opportunities you look for when you, whenever you're trying to sort of buy low on a player that you think that the upside and the winning equity is really there. Um, he's around 21 right now. You know, these guys, Keith, at the top of the board, it's, the, the futures market has become – tough to bet them a couple of weeks out just because they're not willing to, you know, the sports books aren't willing to be overexposed in the weeks prior. They kind of slow play it a little bit. And oftentimes you can get better numbers if you wait to the week of, I really sort of look down the board a little bit. Corey Connors is a guy that I kind of am intrigued by as well. He's been awesome. He had one bad performance at the PGA championship. And I think a lot of people have written him off. He's 66 to one right now. Um, on, on a number of sportsbook outlets. He is just so accurate off the tee. You know, they have this stat that a lot of people don't look at. It, it essentially measures um, the distance. If you miss a fairway, how far are you missing it by? And that's going to be important at Brookline. You know, a lot of these, you know, there's those rock formations and the sort of terrain that you can't get too far offline. Connors is the number one player on the PGA Tour in terms of distance from the fairway. So when he misses the fairway, it's by a very slim margin, which should still create an alleyway for him to, to have an approach shot into these greens. He's accurate. He's great with his irons. You just got to kind of hope for that spike putting week. But if he plays well at the Memorial, which he did yesterday, you could see that number, uh, you know, fall out to 45, 50 to one. Yeah. The graduated rough there, certainly uh, good drives gained. Uh, there's no doubt about it that, that's something that we got we got to all pay attention to. And folks, the reason we brought Joe Idoni on today, who's my guest, is just for that reason. I wanted to take 
you through that just to kind of show some of, you know, your talent in breaking down the field in such a thoughtful manner, but not just looking at the numbers, but also talking about the golf course and what Gil Hans has done up there at the country club. You know, I, I played that place so many times and I can't wait to see the best in the world compete there because it's, you know, they just did another Gil Hans course at Southern Hills and the two of them are going to be so different. It's going to be so much fun and it's, it's fun following you. Um, I want to ask, you know, how do we follow you? I think you brought it up earlier, but give me your sites so that way anyone that's listening that they can keep an eye on you. No doubt. Um, it's at Tour Picks. So Tour as in PGA Tour, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. I have a, uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok, both under the same account. That's the best way. Um, you know, I'll publish all my content there. I tweet out my betting card every single week. Um, free. Nothing that I do is behind any sort of paywall. So everything I, I put out there for the people and you can take and do with it what you please. Um, but it's a ton of fun. I, I enjoy being sort of, you know, and I don't take myself too seriously. I feel like on there, like you mentioned, my main goal is to try to be authentic and interact with people in a positive, engaging way. So that's the best place to find me. Well, we don't do anything too seriously here on a Friday afternoon during happy hour for the pro show. So before I let you go, we're going to find out how authentic you really are. We got to go through a tradition I do with all my guests, and that's a quick rapid fire. So you game for this? I'm ready. All right, here we go. An easy one to start. Do you have any pets? Yes, I have one dog. He is a 10-pound, 15-year-old Yorkie. What's his name? Reese. R-E-A-S. Favorite athlete all time? Randy Moss. Oh, oh all right. Go herd. Yeah, I'm from West Virginia, Keith. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a country boy, so I followed Randy uh, all the way growing up through his days playing high school basketball and uh, was a big, fan, a big fan of the herd and then was a fan of the Vikings growing up as well. So Randy's my guy. What's your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear is, I would say loneliness, which is kind of a weird answer, but in terms of like an easier one, snakes. I don't mess with snakes at all. Hey, they don't have shoulders. No good for me either. All right. On a scale of one to 10, rate your driving. Four. The worst part of my game. How about a car? Uh, you know what I have coming in is one of those new Rivian trucks. I'm waiting for it to be delivered, but right now I drive a Toyota RAV4. All right. Well, but how's your driving, though, on 1 to 10? Should we fear oh, you, my, or are you a safe driver? Driving? No, no, no. I thought you were talking about my driving off the tee. No, my driving, my driving with a car is fantastic. 9 out of 10. I'm good on the turnpike. I drive 40 minutes to work every day. I'm solid there. Describe your 2022 in one word. Uh, busy. Name a place you would love to take your family on a trip. Italy. If you could go back in time, where and when would you go? I would go back to the, I'm going to bring it back to golf. I go back to the early in the mid nineties to see sort of the rain and have a better appreciation of what Tiger Woods was doing back in his heyday. Oh man, that's a, that's a that's a heyday let me tell you all right what one trait best defines you authenticity i think that you kind of nailed it that's what i sort of strive to be um and that's that's what i hope that people see in me who inspires you 
my wife, my kids, my family. Those are who I look to as my role models. Well, you know what? After this interview, you're one of my role models as well. I love my wife and kids, but man, you are fantastic and authentic, Mr. Joe Idoni. You know what? Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate the time. A ton of fun. Great to be on the pro show. Thanks, Keith. Man, he's awesome. You know what? Up next, the LPGA's leading storyteller, Steve Eubanks. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920, everybody. Mike Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers, then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and watch exclusively on ESPN+. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. The Stick and Act Challenge app is available now for iOS. Now, the Challenge app is like no other golf game out there. It takes the focus off of your final score and instead turns you around into a collection of challenges, objectives, and accomplishments. With more than 90 unique challenges to choose from, you'll never have the same experience twice. And if that's not enough, you can also challenge friends or strangers to see who comes out on top. Plus, with an XP system that rewards your successes, you'll be motivated to keep pushing yourself further. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out with the game, the Stick and Act Challenge app is the perfect way to add some extra fun to your golf game. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show and I'm Keith Stewart. This is ESPN 920. You know I love covering the ladies of golf, but I cannot claim I love it more than Steve Eubanks. Our next guest is the LPGA's managing editor, the man behind the super stories of these powerful players. Let's take a quick trip down to North Carolina and get a live report on the Women's U.S. Open. Heading down south to the land of the pines and thumbing my way in North Carolina. Staring up the road and pray to God I see. All right, great song there, Wade Weezer. Heading down to North Carolina, like Darius Rucker said there. And let's talk to my man, Steve Eubanks. Steve, welcome to the pro show this afternoon. How are things down there at Pine Needles? It's just fabulous, Keith, and I tell you, I love the intro music. You had me toe-tapping here amidst the pines, so it's, it's wonderful, wonderful golf, wonderful place to be. It's just uh, it's a gorgeous setting, and it's uh, kind of the, I, I don't want to say the, the cradle of golf here in America, but it's, uh, it's certainly close. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's the bedroom, to be sure. There's golf here everywhere, and, and it's a golf-knowledgeable crowd, and the course at Pine Needles is just spectacular. So that's that's where I want to start first, because they've hosted three U.S. Women's Opens before and had three unbelievable champions, Annika, Kari Webb, Christy Kerr. Uh, what has been the impression of the players this week showing up on property? 
Well, I think they were they were surprised to begin with. I'm not sure they uh, most of the players were young enough that they didn't get to play when it was last year in 07. I think uh, Lexi Thompson played here. She was 12, uh, and she said she doesn't remember a thing other than she was glad it rained and there was nobody out to watch her. Um, but you, you, you look around at uh, these greens, these Donald Ross greens, and all of the runoffs. Uh, you look at the sandy areas. Um, it, it's just, it, it's almost a throwback. You're, you feel as though you're playing in another century when you're out here. Uh, and I think that surprised a lot of these players. It also surprised them that um, the golf course wasn't as long as they thought it would be. It, it isn't as long as some of the traditional U.S. Women's Open venues that we played. But you'll notice that the scores are no better uh, than, than some of the longer golf courses. And it's because of these green complexes. I mean, this is a very strategic golf course. And, uh, and I think that's, to, to the pleasant surprise of many, um, this has been a really good challenge. Well, you know what? You brought up the word surprises there, right? So our first round leader, right, Mina Hiragay, she she has to be a somewhat of a surprise. She's never won on the LPGA Tour. Now, she was a junior standout, went to Duke for just a second, and she's been out on tour for a while. Uh, what has been the reaction to your first round leader? Um, I, yeah, I think that people who just have kind of a tangential um, following of the LPGA Tour don't know much about I me. Mean, she played on our Solheim Cup uh, last year at the uh, at, uh, uh, in Toledo and was really a great match play player and has had uh, the last two seasons a lot of really good high finishes, good showings, even though she hasn't had a victory yet. She's been knocking on the door, uh, and so you've seen a trend come over the course of time where you just know that victory is coming. Uh, and the U.S. Women's Open tends to sort of crown first-time winners a lot of times. I, I, our defending champion, Yuka Sasso, was someone no one had ever heard of prior to uh, winning at Olympics. So I, I, I kind of like where she's situated right now. She's certainly playing well. Um, but, but it's fun to, to be able to tell the stories of players that a lot of people don't know leading into this. Well, one of those players is certainly going to be an amateur who was in second place after round one, and that's Ingrid Lindblad. Now, if you follow the women's game, you know that she's the number two ranked women's amateur in the world. She's a fantastic collegiate player, Augusta Women's National Amateur. She's been great there. But, you know, like, what was it like when an amateur was running up the leaderboard yesterday afternoon? Well, it was interesting to watch because she's, um, you're right, she's the number two ranked amateur in the world. And those who have followed her uh, know she's in really long, um, she's got a very deft short game and people I think are, are sort of saying if there was going to be an amateur somewhere near the top, she was the one. So, uh, that, that's the U.S. Open tends to do that. Um, you always have amateur names either at or near the top of the leaderboard. I mean, go back a, couple, a few years to uh, country club of Charleston when we had Gina Kim, uh, who was, who was in our, uh, either lead or near the top of the leaderboard at the end of the first round and was the low amateur as a, as a, the 18-year-old with braces on her teeth. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we always have that, and that's what makes this championship so great. It is a true open, and you always have some amateur names that are knocking at the door. You know what? It, and she's Swedish. You could tell by her name, right? And she played with Annika yesterday. So Annika's back. And I saw a tweet earlier in the week, which I thought was really interesting. Annika's playing in her 16th U.S. Women's Open, and so is Lexi Thompson. How about that stat? It's just been terrific. I'll tell you, that the first the dichotomy there is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, Lexi played here when she was 12. She was the youngest qualifier in history at that point. 
is now you know in her mid twenties and is in her sixteenth of these things. Uh, but then Annika coming back at age fifty one, it's just been terrific. And I'll tell you about Annika. She is she's really become a lot closer now to these younger players, particularly the European players, than she was when she first retired. She she's sort of the godmother now. Uh, I think being a mother herself and, and I mean, you know having children that are in athletics has helped her a lot. But also, she's got her foundation, has got all of these junior events and amateur events. Annika Award now goes to the top uh, junior player in our discussion of the top college player. So it's, uh, it's been really fun to watch her, um, her transition in that role uh, to really kind of be in the mother hand for these young European players. And, and, and Ingrid Lindblad's a good example. I mean, when they're playing together yesterday – Monica's embracing her afterwards, you know, giving fist bumps throughout the round. So, um, cheerleader for these European players. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of Annika fist bumps to other competitors near the tail end of her career. Yeah, no, she she was she was a, an assassin when she was out here at the height of her career. I mean, if she said hello to you, that was that was a lengthy conversation. Uh, but she she's much mellower now, not just in her own game, but I think in how she approaches others. Now, talking about others and next generations and comebacks, you know, obviously Annika's there. It, it, that's fantastic for the women's game. But how about Nellie being back? Just tremendous. Not just tremendous to have her back, but tremendous to have her back and seemingly playing well and pain-free. I mean, she is wearing a compression sleeve, uh, I think, under doctor's orders after the surgery, but uh, seems to have shown no signs at all that she's even been away that, that you would normally think, in this kind of setting, coming back at U.S. Women's Open, there would be some rust that shows up. But uh, uh, clearly the level of talent and preparation that she's made is just outstanding because she's playing tremendous, and I, I think people are loving it. Nellie and Jin Young Ko is the kind of rivalry that I think we, uh, we've all been longing for, uh, and having her back and playing well, particularly after this sort of scary medical situation. I mean, blood clots can be very dangerous. Uh, it, everybody is excited about it. It's wonderful to see her. I'm excited about it because the men's side has turned into a total mess. What we thought was going to be like a Rom Morikawa duel this year has turned into a Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith thing. And, and you know, I, there's too many names to be involved. I, I want number one and two in the world this summer going toe to toe in all the major championships. And you know what? You have two in one month when it comes to June. For the LPGA comms team, for your team, right, the media team, like how stoked are all of you guys for what's going to happen in the next three weeks? Oh, very excited. I mean, to have this kind of major championship uh, back to back, and then and then not long afterwards we head over to France to the uh, Monday Avian Championship. It's just tremendous to have the level of enthusiasm that we're seeing, the fan engagement that we're seeing, um, and have our players excited about uh, all the things that are on the line. So I love the fact that we have a lot of players, a lot of great players playing their best at this time. I think there's a, there's a level of interest and excitement and you can kind of sense and feel the enthusiasm really unlike any year before. You know what, you know, Steve, we were side by side there at Cognizant covering the ladies up there at Upper Montclair Country Club. And we talked about this a little bit, but I want to talk about it on air. I mean, you're the commitment and approachability of your players is second to none in professional sports. Right. Why do you think that is? Because I've asked a lot of people this question and I always get a different answer and it's always a great answer. So I want to ask you the same question because you work week in and week out with all of these ladies. And it's just, it's really impressive, their buy-in. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, with where this tour has come from. 
Uh, when you go into the LPGA headquarters, there's a sign over the wall at the front desk that says, act like a founder. Um, and we go back, we, we tell all of our rookies the story and the history of the LPGA and, and those 13 founders and, and how they were driving around and doing everything. I mean, they were putting up their own gallery ropes. They were selling their own tickets. They were out doing, you know, creating their own pro-am experiences for people. And we've never lost touch with that. Uh, and I think that fact uh, and sort of the underdog mentality uh, that this league has always carried um, permeates throughout to, to everyone. And I think you see it in the in the approachability and the likability and, and all with the players. And, and they really buy in. No one thinks that the media is their enemy on this tour. No one thinks that, that uh, they should be above the fan engagement. Everyone walks off the golf course and is posing for selfies no matter what they shot um, seeing those little girls out there waiting for autographs, that's really what players buy into. And, and But you're right, Keith. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been around sports a long time, and I used to say it was NHL players and NASCAR drivers were the most approachable athletes. Now it's LPGA players by miles. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I get a sense from a lot of different professional athletes. I've encountered tons in my career. And, you know, there – and I love the way you put it, that underdog mentality – and we have a couple of underdogs at the top of the leaderboard, but the leaderboard had a lot of birdies yesterday, Steve. Do you get any inclination from the USGA? I mean, we had 27 players after round one under par at a women's U.S. Open championship. Do you think that, you know, we're going to see some higher scores today throughout round two and going into the weekend? Is Pine Needles going to bring out some needles for these ladies or what? Oh, I absolutely think so. I mean, look, this is always sort of the case in major championships. The first day, if you don't get any wind, uh, is when the golf course is playing its softest. Um, it, it, the pins are in some, you know, I don't want to say easy locations, but they're perhaps more approachable than they will be later on in the week. Um, but this is one of those kinds of golf courses where you can make it as absolutely hard as you want to. Just don't put water on it. Um, and if, if, if the wind doesn't blow and we end up having – warm temperatures it's still going to be more difficult just because of the firmness and of and the runoffs of some of these greens um i was speaking to several players yesterday and they said you know this is one where you, you sort of play scared at times because there are some spots that you simply can't be or you're going to put it off the front of the green or you're going to chip it into a spot where you can't get up and down it's um you know it, it's a it's a classic old golf course in that respect but you've got to be careful out here and i think you're going to see some higher numbers well, you know what? We all want to watch this weekend. We all want to take it all in, and, and we do want to see a little bit of carnage, but we also want to see some birdies at the same time and some drama develop. How can we watch? Uh, I know you're on the inside. You have the inside track to all that's going on in the LPGA media. Tell me on Saturday and Sunday, what are the channels and what are the times? Uh, you can start watching at noon on Peacock, and then it moves over to USA Network until 3, and then at 3 o'clock it gets picked up by NBC 3 to 6. Um, so, and then on Sunday, it starts at 1 on USA, then flips over to NBC, and uh, you can watch pretty much every shot of the final couple of groups. Steve, you've been amazing this afternoon. I hear a lot of activity going on in the media center there behind you. You, you took some time with us on a busy, busy um, cut Friday afternoon there at the women's, the 77th Women's U.S. Open. We got to have you back on the show because I'd love to tell your story in golf. We got to spend the time a couple weeks to go, and, and I just love meeting you, and I want to talk to you some more. But thanks for reporting live from Pine Needles down there and the Women's Open. It's been great to be with you. Thanks again.
Ah, man, what an awesome Friday afternoon. I love multiple guests. What do you think about that, Wade Weezer? Yes, I like variety. I've always been a big fan of variety when it comes to like uh, music, chips, beer, guests. Chips. How does chips? How do chips? I'm not even going there. You mentioned variety. I don't buy one bag of chips. I buy three bags of chips because I, mean, I, I came back in my mind. It's not this like is variety. this is why we have no time left, right? How much time? How, what are we working with? Here? Like three and change, three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes. All right. Well, let, let me do a couple quick things. So, um, well, we're going to save ourselves a break in that manner. But if I was coming out of that break, you know, mm-hmm. I would tell you about folks. I'd tell you to go read the line. Go to readtheline.com and check on what all that's going on on my little golf betting ecosystem there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it continues to grow. It, it tell you, you know, they give you all of these kind of um, analytic charts on how things will grow there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Yeah, I'll give us some music to make you feel better. It's, there you go. It's exponential. Yeah, you know, yeah. I am a lucky man, you, you know, because I get to work with you every Friday afternoon. And if you're somewhere like Steve down in Pinehurst and you want to listen to the show, you know, you go to 920ESPNNewJersey.com and just hit that listen now button. Of course, the podcast tonight will be posted on all platforms, That'd be iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. You'll get the show when I get a chance to put it up there. And speaking of putting things up there or posting, right, let's talk about social media, mm-hmm. right? Dude, I love TikTok. Do you, have your kids gotten you on TikTok yet? My kids haven't gotten me on TikTok. I've looked at TikTok for stuff. All right, don't, you know, it's Pandora's box. It is the <laughs> essence of Pandora's box. Let me tell you something. So um, go see, read the line there. Uh, certainly Instagram and Twitter. And we're just having all sorts of fun conversations there. If you love this show and you love my take on things and and you know what also interact with me for sure comment on stuff and uh let's let's talk about it for sure monday big day we have the longest day in golf everybody trying to get into the u.s open i was down in atlanta last year with will he was like one shot short this year yeah so bummer um a cool thing new jersey golfer chris goderup he was at Rutgers for a couple years and then he transferred with all of COVID and everything out, sure. to, out to the program yeah. of Oklahoma, which is a top five program in the country. So you can't blame him for that. But he won the Haskins Award this year, which is the best male golfer um, in collegiate play. And uh, so pretty cool for him. And it'll be interesting to see how this whole live golf enterprises thing turns out. You know, I mean, what do you what do you think? You're where a huge did, where sports does, fan. Where does the word live come from? Uh, I don't know. It's it, not an acronym. It, it, it's an acronym. It is yeah, an acronym. Yeah, yeah, it's LIV, you know, but like, you know, baseball has a lot of challenges right now. Sure. Right. And you're a huge Yankees fan, right? If Aaron Judge all of a sudden was going to jump ship and go to a new baseball league, you know, the USFL of baseball or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but they they plan to make baseball more entertaining. You mm-hmm. thumbs up or thumbs down on that? Good riddance. Good riddance. Don't come back. You can tell why we, we do this show so well Don't together. Don't come back. There's Synergy. No doubt, there's no doubt about that. You know what else there's no doubt about? That's those sponsors that we have week in and week out that just love us. That's the New Jersey Golf Foundation and TaylorMade Golf. Now, before I go, before you see me again, the Rangers are going to have already won this series. You know that's a fact. But Ooh. if they haven't, you get to watch them tonight and you get to watch them Sunday night, 8 p.m., I can't wait. It's so exciting right now. These young kids, you got to watch them play. And uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of that on a Friday night. Let me assure you. All right. And let me assure you all of something, people. That is with Wade Weezer on the board, we get it all done. Multiple guests and all sorts of fun. Absolutely. Love you, my friend. Thank you for everything that you do. And of course, you know, I love my listeners. So before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about dreams. You cannot reach your goals lying down. Dream aggressively and then wake up and work hard for them. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. 
And this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.